Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it. Welcome to Review Time's Theme Parkcast, a weekly podcast where we explore the ins and outs of theme parks and attractions from around the world. My name is Dominic Lacey and I will be your host today as we explore our select group of theme park attractions which take a backseat to the famed e-ticket and get the theme park equivalent of a participation award. These are the rides which for whatever reason never got love from the critics but found a place within the hearts of riders. Those attractions which were so bad they are or were good. And who better to help me review this list of attractions than the man who co-hosts a channel dedicated to reviewing theme parks, which hasn't reviewed a theme park since October of 2019. It's Review Time's co-host, Luke Carroll. Please, it's too real. Why did you have to bring that up? Uh, Looking at the Australian borders, maybe in 2025 we might get our next review on the channel. Look, I hope you're all excited for us to, uh, you know, Aust- Australia is looking at making a bubble, like a travel bubble of different islands that we can go to. Mm. So we're not going to open up our borders to any countries that connect to other countries. So like mm-hmm. we're all good with Japan and New Zealand and that because you can't like you could probably yeah. swim islands, from China like to us. Japan, <laughs> but it's a, it's a long way. Um, but what they want to do is have this sort of travel bubble and our prime minister's been over to Japan to to look at that. So I hope everyone's excited for the next five years to just be every single (laughs) Japanese attraction which we can find um, and possibly the one New Zealand theme park which we can go to. (laughs) (laughs) It'll it'll be bi-monthly reviews just of Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, This month they got a new cupcake. That's that's worth a whole new video, right? (laughs) A 15-minute video reviewing (laughs) the cupcake and how it affects the rest of the park. Yum, yum. (laughs) See, I I also just want to say, even though our last review was in October of 2019. My last review was in July of 2019. Yeah. Which just which, hurts. It, <laughs> even like my when I filmed for that final review was in like August of 2019. And we were like, oh, we'll spread it out so we can, you know, last till then this year, 2020. And then ah, we'll be heaps at the start of the year. We can do heaps. See, Not uh, so just much. a quick, uh, a quick real talk for our viewers. Every now and then I'll be like looking at the channel. I'm like, out, out. Our YouTube channel is missing something. It, it needs something to really <laughs> bring home our, our, our identity and, and find our own place. You know, that and first uh, half of our name, what is it that, what's that, what's that <laughs> word mean? I've, I've, I've forgotten in all this time. I always come back to it and remember it's like, ah, oh, oh yeah, we're meant to do reviews, but pretty <laughs> much we've taken what was originally our B and C grade yep. content and put that to the front. And now it's just like, I imagine that next year, if we do get to do a theme park review, people are going to be, what is this? What is this <laughs> video on my review, review time? time for reviews? <laughs> <laughs> I do honestly think people look at the name and they're like, why is it called review time? And mm-hmm. then you realize that we used to do if them. If you go back we, through we the catalogs. <laughs> and there's, there's still some of our most watched videos. So we're excited to hopefully soonish get back and do them again. Because a big reason why we started the channel, the not oh, so yeah. secret reason to start was so we had a really good excuse to go around the world and visit theme parks. But now we can't visit theme parks because the world needs to sort itself out. But <laughs> good news on that vaccine. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, but yeah. we Fingers should crossed. probably earn our way back to the uh, the topic uh, of the video. And perhaps when we go and review those theme parks around mm. the world, we might come across some rides which are bad. But mm-hmm. look, there, there's this weird phenomenon. You see it in a mm. lot of mediums, in a lot of creative endeavours, something which is so bad... And I just want to point out, you can, you can never do this on purpose. Maybe yeah, the only no. thing that's ever gotten it right is maybe the short, the Sharknado movies. Yeah, yeah. Or those, like, purposefully B movies. But I feel when they're yeah. self-aware, it kind of ruins the fun. But these yeah. are creative endeavors which are so bad that they're good. Yeah, and they there kind are, of there are lots of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it when, takes when, on a, a life of its own. When we were doing, like this idea and we're bouncing off the idea for the show this week we first started thinking you know like oh i can think of a couple but the more you think about the more you go oh no wait there's a lot of them out there 
And we, we just oh, want yeah. you to know, we don't think these rides are bad. A lot of them we love, but it's because when you peel back the layers, they are so bad. Yeah, there are some which, even when you look at it, and maybe we should, I guess we'll ease into it, and, and hmm. I'll start off with a, a simple one, but there are attractions which you go to a theme park, such as Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom, Hong Kong Disneyland, and you're like, oh, I have to ride this attraction. If hmm. I go to this park and don't ride this attraction, then my trip is not mm-hmm. complete. These are attractions like Dumbo and yep. Small World, which if they were in any other context, yep. they, they, become they just icons, would not. But they're just generic flat rides that you can get at yeah. any theme park around the world. But Dumbo, hey, that's somehow is in pretty much every Magic Kingdom park around the world. Oh, it's also the iteration of it. There's like literally two of those attractions in every park. Like you've got mm. the Astro Orbiter and mm-hmm. Dumbo. There's They're literally the there's four same of them. attraction. There's four of them at the Magic Kingdom because there's two Dumbos, the Aladdin's Flying Carpets and the Astro Orbiter. <laughs> <laughs> just just got to flesh out that attraction. How list, many times I- can you just spin in a circle in one park? I also briefly, like this is, it might make some people angry, but um, I briefly talked about Small World before. I feel like you tried to run away from the conversation as quickly as possible before our emails got assaulted oh, yeah. uh, by, <laughs> by people getting angry. I just want to point out, I really like Small World. Yeah. But if you really do exactly what you say, peel back the layers and think, is this actually a good attraction? Mm. It's got a great sentiment. I love yeah. the idea. It's, historically, but- <laughs> it's very important. But now mm. in 2020, do you really want to sit for 15 minutes on a very slow moving, especially with how many boats they cram into it nowadays? So with the unload is backed up like 20 boats. So you're just stuck in that final room <laughs> for like five minutes. Oh, just and it's so bright. That final mm. room is always so uh, gleamingly yep. bright. <laughs> but even it's it's a strange thing. Well, I think it's a strange thing that they even brought it to Hong Kong Disneyland mm. because without the context, like it's I think a little over a it would be just under or over a decade old at Hong Kong Disneyland. And it just feels like it's almost riding off the historical um, significance of mm. the other attractions around the world. It's like you can't have a Magic Kingdom experience without yeah. this ride. Though thinking of it, does Shanghai have Small World? No. no. Nope. It's the only one okay. without. Um, but yeah, we've seen big updates to ones like Tokyo recently. So mm. it seems to be it's going to be here to stay which a lot of people seem to be up in arms, whether you should have the Disney characters or you shouldn't. I really like the Tokyo version with the Disney characters and the few others that have them around the world. If you're going to have it, I think it's fine. Keep it. Mm. It's 15 minutes in the air conditioning, if nothing else. Uh, But yeah, coming what? Uh, 64. So, you know, we're 54 years on since the original at this point. And I, I love Mary Blair's designs. I love that. But it is a little school fatey with the crepe paper and the, you know, cardboard cutouts. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And when you consider it with other, like, historical Disney attractions, Mm. like, you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mm. Mansion, they were technological marvels. They were literally the the equivalent. Like, the 60s as well. And it's interesting how Small World has managed to hold on for so long. And I Mm. think it literally comes down to the fact that uh, it was so significant to Walt. Like, Walt was really passionate about the project. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess that's the runner-up. I don't even really know if it falls into the so bad it's good category. I think it more falls into the if you actually observe it as an attraction, you're like, is this actually a good ride? you think about it, yeah, (laughs) too (laughs) much. The way I explained this to you before, I think, uh, covers it quite clearly is these, the attractions are about to go into and we've got four of them. If we want to run a little bit late, we might have six um, or a little bit early, I think, if we're Mm. running early, because we're going to try and condense it down because, man, these podcasts have been getting long. (laughs) Uh, Like I'm looking and I think we're already about 10 minutes in, which, (laughs) oh boy. That sounds like (laughs) us. So these, uh, these are four attractions, which I guess... It's less of like, yeah, they're they're so bad that you can almost 
make a meme out of them. Yeah. Like, and a lot of them have, <laughs> have become that. Like, they've transcended. Like, for, as a perfect example, just as a pre-show, so bad it's good, the dinosaur pre-show at Animal oh. Kingdom that oh, online yes. has become the ultimate Disney meme with Dr. Seeker and Dr. Marsh. And that has, you know, transcended. I know more about that pre-show and all the jokes and memes <laughs> about it than I know about the ride itself. That actor has almost earned his own renown. Like whenever he's mm. in some sort of other medium, everyone's like, mm. oh my gosh, it's Dr. It's him, Seeker. It's Dr. Grant <laughs> Even my like, you think Discord about it, like, profile picture is him pulling a silly face <laughs> from the pre-show of that ride. So that explains it all. <laughs> Interestingly, though, if you were to have that on your resume in like Hollywood or somewhere and you were to be like, hey, I was in a a pre-show at a Disney park, that would fall quite low. But then if you think about Mm. how many people have actually viewed that that for sure would be his most viewed like role. In the history, oh, like, you 100%, know. hundred percent. Like, the Animal Kingdom sees 14 million people a year. Mm. And then if you imagine the amount of times that people ride that attraction, the re-rides, the, like, that would have to be... He would have had to have been seen over a hundred million times. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, that ride's, what, coming up on 22 years old. If and everyone the, gave him a dollar... Gets, like, 15 million guests a year... Surely 10 of them are riding dinosaur. There's 200 million people who've got to see our main man, Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant Seeger. I don't even know the actor's name. I know he was in something which I saw recently where I didn't recognize him because I'm not a dedicated mm. fan. But oh. dinosaur isn't... It's it's not so bad. It's no. good. I, I actually think dinosaur is a good attraction, but yeah. definitely a good point to say how certain aspects of yeah. an attraction can be so bad they're good. Like the even the Avatar pre-show where it's like... I see. I haven't I, written I, that yet, but I've seen the memes online about it, so I can't wait till like, I can get the chance to write it so I can actually understand all those jokes. Well, just for context for people who haven't seen it, it's... I don't know what they were trying to go for with it, but they just had this extremely awkward actor who just it, it just doesn't hit the mark yeah. for a lot of people because they're like, how does this work? I think it's meant to be that thing where it's like a geek chic, that sort of hot yeah. nerd sort of idea. Um, but I don't it didn't know. Work. It just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess we'll get into our our first attraction if you mm-hmm. want to take it away luke try and convince sure. me on a ride that's so okay. bad it's good i think this is the big one if you hear the tagline a ride that's so bad that it's good i'm pretty sure this is the one that's going to spring to 99 percent <laughs> of guests head because it is the one the only journey into imagination with figment not the with original figment. journey into imagination <laughs> if we if we look the the history of this ride is kind of Done the whole spectrum. At the good end, we had the original Journey into Imagination. That's a great ride. One of the best of all time. On the complete other side of the spectrum, we've got Journey into Your Imagination. A ride that told guests that they were dumb, essentially, (laughs) and had no imagination. (laughs) And then falling right in the middle in that perfect, so bad that it's good, is the one that's been there for almost 20 years at this point, since 2002. Journey into Imagination with Figment, where they took the bones of Journey into Your Imagination and went, oh, the only thing wrong with this ride is it doesn't have Figment. So let's just put him wherever we can, completely change his character. Hey, there you go. It is so interesting how literally some of the greatest minds in theme parks can just sometimes not hit the mark Mm. so far away from where the mark is. Like, it's like in shot put if they were to just throw the ball and somehow it just went backwards (laughs) (laughs) it's the fence and then dribbles on the ground it goes like you know two millimeters i just it is these sort of attractions where i look at it and i'm like how how did this Hmm. happen but i guess luke what makes it so bad that it's good I think it's that same thing where it's kind of transcended. It's become bigger than the ride itself, this idea. And I think a lot of that does have to do with Figment and the way that Disney's kind of grabbed Figment and been like, ah, you you want Mickey Mouse's Epcot? Uh, sorry, Epcot's Mickey Mouse? Here, take this dinosaur, uh, dragon. 
the, the <laughs> picture the other day that was like exploding on Twitter where they just put a, a Christmas sweater on him and it was like the meltdown of Diz Twitter because it was the greatest thing ever. That's because it's so bad that it's good. If you ride that ride and look at it, it's not great. It has maybe two scenes that are cool and then it sprays you with skunk spray. It like <laughs> does this sound lab that doesn't actually work because they haven't set up the speaker system properly. It blows your eardrums at the finale. Like the only cool parts, I like the butterfly in the cage trick. That's a cool effect. Yeah, that's neat. I, I think we should it. mention for those who haven't ridden this attraction. So it is essentially a, a dark ride through the Imagination Academy at or the Imagination Institute, Institute. I think it is, yeah. at uh, Epcot. And basically it's where they're researching imagination. They're finding all the things that make imagination tick. So it's just like a leisurely dark ride. It's not mm. a roller coaster or anything. But this character, this figment character keeps appearing and sort of annoying the main character who's played by a Monty Python guy. Uh, so um, character is Dr. Nigel Channing and the yep. actor is Eric Idle. That's right. Yeah. So it, it goes through that. And this was, as you were saying, it was originally reworked from where Eric Idle, literally it starts, you go into a room, they mm. point you towards a mirror and then they, they scan you like, things out of your head yep. and it's just like nothing. It's like moths yep. and they're like, wow, mm. TV and the internet has ruined your imagination. Yep. I'm like, oh, that's a good way to get people on your side. Disney. Yeah, come to my theme park and be called an idiot, essentially. <laughs> it it um, is so from that classic era where they must have just been like, the internet and TV is spooky. Yeah. Do you reckon it was that thing where like, oh, parents will love this because we're calling the internet bad and kids will love it because it looks like something's coming out of their head. There you go. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> go to um, print. It is it is 100% that executive dissonance. You know that thing where it's like, ah, yes, we are real human beings. And yes. this is what a human being would like. Humans hate internet because it <laughs> rots their brain. Which is, this is this ride came about in like 2000. You know, it's got that whole like, you know, oh, if you watch too much TV, your eyes are going to turn square. A square eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is in 2000. And that the fact that that part was so bad... The, the one we have now, Journey into Imagination with Figment, is essentially like all the same set pieces and stuff just painted differently and they've implemented Figment and they've rewritten the story. So I think mm. that's kind of why it ticks the box for this as well. And of course, you may think you could ride 99.9% .9 of the ride thinking that it's the worst attraction of all time, but there's one thing that's going to pull it back. Just before that unload, when you look up, and you see a sight, the holiest <laughs> sight of all, Eric Idle's face on the moon singing the famous Sherman Brothers song, One Little Spark. If that uh, isn't, it is. I think that you could take that picture and just say, this is the epitome of so bad that it's good. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Who thought this? What Imagineer was like, you know how we should finish this ride? We take the actor and then we just put his face on the moon. Okay, that's it. That's the ride. I've apparently also heard a story where it was literally that thing, like, when you look at his face, it just looks like foam. And it was mm. apparently, like, they literally just sort of painted around his main features white. And then they just covered him in, like, shaving foam and filmed Wait, that. Wait, is that a... So that's, like, a, a picture of, like, it's not... I thought they must have just done it in Photoshop or something. So that's a picture of him in a costume. Essentially, no, like, I, I'm fairly certain that the actual like video of him was filmed with him just with like shaving foam on his face. Oh, yeah. I need like, to find it, this the video of him on set dressed as the moon, and it may be the greatest <laughs> thing I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> but no, I I 100% agree with this, and I think it has one of those things like part of the charm of this attraction, and I guess one of the reasons why it's so bad it's good is because there is always one person in your group when you ride this attraction that leaves singing the one little yep. spark song, the one little spark of inspiration. Mm -hmm. If I keep going, we'll get copyright strike. <laughs> <laughs> 
But there's, and then there's always, always another one. person in your group, though, who's like, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced. I wrote it with my family when they came to visit me. And I I was like, you know, I like this ride. It might have been a slight <laughs> ironic liking. But Epcot was pretty busy the day we were there. And it was that thing where I was like, oh, five minutes for Figment, as always. Come on in. And my family just walked off like they had no idea what just happened. Like, I can't even explain the look on my mother's face as she walks off the ride. She's just been blasted with the TV screens. And then all the figments have appeared, like in a fever dream for the finale. She's seen Eric Idle as the moon. And I don't think she's ever been the same woman since. It it would literally be like the biggest slap in the face that you have gone to the theme park capital of the mm. world. For Australians, you pay at a minimum about $5,000 to a go there list. per person. For sure. And then you go to one of the most legendary theme parks in the mm. world and ride possibly one of the worst attractions <laughs> of in the time. world of theme parks. And it is like I was thinking about this before and I'm like... How does Disney afford to just keep these around? Like, inside these theme parks, that is prime real estate, and they're just Mm -hmm. keeping these old, bad attractions. But as as you were hmm. saying, they've just sort of grown their own legs, and I guess for Disney now, they're like, well, we never have to do anything with that attraction because it's reached cult status. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel it would be... I would honestly love to know, you know, they have... As they're asking Imagineers, ah, sorry, as they're asking guests when they walk out, where does this ride rank? Because <laughs> there's always surveys being done and stuff, and it's like, do people still like this, or is it just cheaper to leave it open? Well, I think one of the redeeming factors for a lot of these attractions, and I think why they've earned their cult status, is because so many people have ridden them. Because Mm. they're always such a short wait. Yeah. Like, I remember the day that the world nearly fell apart because Figment had a 40-minute wait and Mm. everyone was like, this is not possible. It had a longer wait than Test Track, which is Mm. literally (laughs) the thrill ride of the park. And when you look at all of these so bad they're good attractions, it's almost like... If it's the middle of the day, it's busy, you just want something to do. You're at a Mm -hmm. theme park, you don't want to wait an hour. Well, you're over this part of the park and this ride's a five-minute wait. I guess Mm, I'm going to go on. (laughs) And then you come off and you're like, wow, that sucked. But then over time... And it's right next to the land pavilion too. So it's probably that thing where people have walked in and Soren's like two hours like, well, that figment was ten minutes. Why wouldn't I ride that 10 times in the same amount? <laughs> that whole like, oh, if I ride this 10 times, then I've filled my quota for the day. But I, I remember like the first time I ever rode this, I rode it with you and you were like, be prepared for an experience. And I did come off being like, wow, that was just legitimately bad from start yeah, to finish. Experience. It's outdated. Yeah. It's just, it's not a good ride. But over time, I don't know what it is. It's mm-hmm. just... It's grown on me mm-hmm. and it's almost got this whole life of its own. Like Figment, I need Figment stuff. Yeah. I need to ride that attraction now whenever I go back to Epcot just so I can experience it because mm-hmm. maybe one day it's just going to go. Yeah. Like, experience <laughs> maybe- it while you can. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess like I, I'm now happy to jump into yeah, one of my attractions, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we're going, we're still at Walt Disney World, but we're going to make bah. our way over to the Magic Kingdom. Far. This is an attraction which is a bit controversial um, and people are going to say that, well, I reckon some people will say that I'm wrong. Um, I don't agree. And there is I a bit of first. history. <laughs> it's a bit of history as to why it is so bad, but it's also pretty good at the same time. Mm. Like, it's so bad, it's good. And it's based off one of the IPs that I love the most that Disney owns. And that is Stitch's Great Escape, oh, which God. no longer exists <laughs> at no, the Magic that's straight Kingdom. bad. Straight bad. There's no <laughs> redeeming features. <laughs> no, but for me, it's almost... Like, it has so much potential. And there are parts well, because from, like, the potential is there from the previous ride. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> I'll give some context. Um, so Stitch's Great Escape is the non-canon prequel to the original 2002 film, uh, which is about Stitch's uh, 
Lilo and Stitch for those that Always a great start to know. a ride. Non-canon. <laughs> this doesn't count, guys. This doesn't count. This literally doesn't exist. It's like when you play a, a spin-off video game and it's like, this is yeah. non-canon. It's like, why even We can do whatever we want because it doesn't count. <laughs> oh, this character's dead and we brought this one back to life. So uh, in this one, Stitch is a six-foot-tall whale that can fly through space. It's it's non-canon, guys. It's <laughs> So it was the fourth attraction. Like, this is within Tomorrowland. This is prime real estate because this is probably one of the attractions that you would see first as you enter the yeah. park. So you walk down Main Street. You're within main, uh, you're like the castle hub, and then to the right is Tomorrowland, and there's Stitch's Great Escape. I'd say it's probably one of the only attractions that you can see from the yeah. hub. If I'm just trying to think of it off the top of my head, so other than like the rocket jets and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, like a, you can see the sign, you can't actually see inside, yeah. but. It's got a lot of potential because when you're looking at it from the outside, you know, Stitch's Great Escape, it's sort of like a theater in the round show experience. A lot of people adore the Lilo and Stitch franchise. Yeah. And it's also within this building that has a huge amount of history. It originally had flight to the moon. Then when they landed on the moon, they realized, okay, we now need to go to Mars. So they made mission to Mars. And then they had extraterrestrial alien encounter. And I think it's necessary to talk about this before moving on into Stitch's Great Escape. Mm -hmm. So extraterrestrial alien encounter was an attraction at the Magic Kingdom, which was deemed by some to be one of the scariest theme park attractions of all time. It was where you would go into this theater, you would sit down in this uh, seat And basically what was in the equivalent of, I guess, a a conference TED talk for the time. It was like an (laughs) intergalactic TED talk where they would show you this uh, teleportation technology. But what happens is the teleportation technology gets intercepted by an alien planet where you take like this predatory killer into this room with you and it sort of breaks everything and the the alien escapes. If you look it up, this is a terrifying experience. They had binaural sound so you could hear the alien moving around you. You would get sprayed with like liquid and you would feel drips on your head when the alien was like drooling above you and it would like jump around the seats and the seats would move. Mm. They even had a cast member who would go up and look for the alien with a torch and then sort of get eaten so this <laughs> was an incredibly scary attraction at one of the most tame theme parks in the yep. world like magic kingdom is just for families remember this park star tours is like too intense for this park mm. like star tours is a disneyland but they wouldn't put it in the magic kingdom because it's too intense but because michael eisner was the ceo at the time and his son breck eisner sorry disney legend breck eisner <laughs> <laughs> He essentially said that the Magic Kingdom was lame for teenagers and he was a teenage boy at the time. Fairly understandable. And this is how most of the changes that happened to Disney go over the time is that executives talk to their sons. I'm not kidding. If you look up a lot of changes, that is exactly what's happened. (laughs) New fantasy land. Yeah. Yeah. So extraterrestrial was made and it just sort of so many families were like, this is too scary. Yeah. So then over time, they came across a, a new IP, which was Lilo and Stitch. And they realized, okay, let's get rid of this scary alien encounter and let's replace it with a fun alien encounter. Yeah. You're going to meet Stitch. Stitch is so and fun. Like Stitch is pretty. Yeah. Stitch isn't massive today. He still has his fans, but it's hard to understand how popular Stitch was at this time. Like the main reason, oh, yeah. number one, the Stitch is just going crazy. They need to get a Stitch attraction into the parks. And what better way than to replace a ride, retheme it, a ride that is too scary, is getting guest complaints every single day. And as you said, it's already about an alien. You can completely reuse 90% of everything in there and just change up some of the theming. Stitch at the time, I feel, was the equivalent of Baby Yoda. Like, yeah, they didn't sure. expect him to absolutely go nuts. Yeah. And then or he the did. Minions or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and actually, I just want to quickly say on that, on Disney Plus now, the Mandalorian icon, like what they use to preview the Mandalorian is the literally show, now yeah. Baby Yoda, uh, instead of actually being the Mandalorian in his armor. And I'm like... Oh. 
isn't it like a really deep, gritty sort of look into the Star Wars universe? Because that yeah. seems a it's little like bit a of Western, like a Western kind of. Seems like, like a bit that. of a misdirection. Yeah, <laughs> like, like if your kid sees it, you know, your six-year-old kid, and it's like they'd oh, be like, cute, oh, cute. a cute character. <laughs> And then you see a guy being eaten by a sand dragon. Uh, I don't know if that's something you want your six-year-old to see. (laughs) (laughs) So just just coming back from that quick tangent. So with Lilo and Stitch, they had this perfect property now with Stitch where they could use this alien encounter. So they got rid of extraterrestrial and they put in Stitch's Great Escape, which was pretty much the same ride. Like they took... Alien Encounter, literally the animatronics, um, everything except for the central Stitch animatronic and the two cannons which they have, which shoot at Stitch, hmm. were basically... The only use of... One of the only uses of kooka arms in a Disney park, right? Mm. Yeah. That, the, and I the, think the anglerfish at the sea with Nemo and friends. Ah, uh, true. Yeah. Which I think they managed to build before Universal got the contract that was like, hey, now only we can use kooka arms to build those, the Harry Potter uh, ride in every single Universal Park around the world. Yeah, <laughs> they they did well on that. That is a really good technology. But for those that don't know, Kooka arms are like those robotic arms that you see in car factories, like pick up the pieces. They're really precise. Uh, for some reason, it took them over like a decade or two to realize that these would be amazing in the world of theme parks. Mm. Um, but so they retrofitted this attraction and they put in Stitch and the thing that gets me, the reason why I think it was so bad that it was good is because you would go in there and there were those points where I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Like the work up to when you first meet yeah. Stitch really harkens back to extraterrestrial. Mm. You sit down in your seat, the sort of harness lowers mm. over you and grapples your chest. The room is starting to fill with smoke and they're like, we are bringing in this alien, the deadliest like class three alien that we've mm. had in so long. And they've got this music that's like a really sort of deep dum 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 And they're like, all right, prepare for the test subject. It's And you're like, oh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be like mm. a bit of a gritty Stitch encounter. And then Stitch comes out and it's all awful from there. And he spits on. <laughs> On you, and he burps in your face, and he sniffs in your ear. Like they use all of the technology that they had previously with extraterrestrial, Mm. where, as you were saying, he would move around you. You would hear him in your ears with the binaural sound. Mm. He would spit on you. He would drool on you. They pumped the smell of chili dogs into (laughs) the theaters. Not the original. (laughs) The the hallway uh, at the the back. Um, or the which leads into the gift shop smelt like chili dogs permanently. Mm. Um, but as you walked stitches- into that theater, it's all you could smell was that fake chili dog burp smell. But the you thing knew I knew what was coming. <laughs> like the thing I loved about this attraction was how much potential it had and how close it was to the original gritty adult experience. And I guess it was that thing where it was so bad it was good because I just wanted to forget that Stitch was there and pretend yeah. like I was in the original attraction. Like, I want to experience that original yeah. attraction so bad. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's that thing as well where it's like, yeah, sure, if you had ridden the original, you wouldn't, you'd just be saying it's bad, full stop. But because you can just see those little teasers of the original in that ride, it came so close. But it had the issue where it wasn't scary for people like us. Mm. But every time I was in there, it was petrifying for little kids still. (laughs) So it's like, it's still just as scary for kids. But now it doesn't have anything for the adults to enjoy. Where the old version, the adults could enjoy it and it's still scared the kids to death see i feel like what they should have done is just picked up alien encounter and taken it over to hollywood studios and been like oh this is the alien encounter behind the scenes and then you can just get away with it but i guess we'll take a a quick break from Mm -hmm. here and then we'll get into our our last two attractions let's do it all right, we are back, and this time we're, we're leaving Walt Disney World behind. But we're not going too far away. We're just going down the road to the Universal Orlando Resort to what is non-ironically one of my favorite 
experiences in the world. You have always raved about this. I know what you're going to say before we get to it. And you have consistently said, this is amazing. Don't look it up. Just experience it for the first time. I am worried that by the time I get back to to experience it, yeah. this attraction that it'll be gone <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> my worry and it, yeah um and it this is a bit of context especially coming from a theater background and i the reason i love it so much is because like i want you to be i had no idea about the show before i walked into it it is poseidon's fury opening day attraction at islands of adventure the second mm. theme park at the universal orlando resort uh it opened with the park in 1999 but the original version was so bad, it got reworked in 2001. And the 2001 version is the one that I've written and unfortunately is currently closed because they close like a number of rides due to low visitorship during the pandemic. Oh, uh, yeah. that um, um, I believe that Fast and Furious also gets yes. into that category. A it's, ride it's which is like so bad, Poseidon's it's bad. Fury. Yeah. Besides Fury, which is a you know a show that can't have a huge capacity, a spinner, a, like some other nothing ride, and your most recent e-ticket attraction, which is hated by everyone. I it just oh. baffles me. Like we need to do a podcast one day, which is like the biggest or what we feel are some of the biggest theme park failures in in the recent biggest decade waste because of money. <laughs> Fast and Furious. The thing that I just don't get. You have this IP that is about Fast and Furious and you do a dark ride? No, it's what? not even a dark ride. <laughs> like, it's not even a dark ride, really. It's, it's, it's pretty much a, the it's safari like a, tour in with a, screens. In a, like, I'll come to your house, I'll bring two projectors and I'll put them on either side of your wall and I'll sit you in the middle and just jostle your seat a little bit and you'll get the same experience <laughs> as the ride. Um, but anyway, back to Poseidon's Fury. So this is a walkthrough experience. It's a show and walkthrough experience. So you're led through by an actor and the idea is you're going into this crumbling temple which ha- is has one of the most incredible facades in all of theme park it's got you know this giant statue that's fallen down so his arm is still there with a trident mm. and all of this the reason it's bad that it's good is that the show aspects are really camp <laughs> to explain it the best way i can explain it is that the villain in the ride has the most generic villain name of all time he's an original character called darkanon <laughs> like if you were to Dark- you know like Anon. on paper you'd be like oh thinking of evil names we've got um thunder chapa um darkanon uh and then the good guy the light bringer like it's just generic oh man like the most yeah, yeah. um but it's kind of like if Voldemort was and it's called built so yeah it's <laughs> like all of the effects and it's just built so well it has these two incredible effects um one is this water the water vortex tunnel which if you've ever there's like heaps of videos out there about how it was made because for the time it's incredible it's essentially these really high powered jets that arc over your head and create a tunnel of water that you can walk through and not get wet. And then the finale, I'm not going to say it here. I'm not going to spoil it just like you. There may be people who listening to the show and haven't seen it, but the finale room, the the whole thing that happens, and if you've written it, you'll know there's something that happens in the finale of this ride that is the most spectacular moment I've had in a theme park around the world. It's just a shame that the story that ties it together is a little bit bad. It's this whole, like, the most cliche story. You've got this little guy and he's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm just, I just work at this dig site. And then, oh, but the the guy that he works for, he's gone missing. So you got to find him and he stumbles around and he keeps accidentally fumbling in and he accidentally presses the button and then it it opens the next door and then he does the, oh, whoopsies. Like, the story is so (laughs) poor, but the ride, the... The experience is so good, and I really hope that it reopens after the pandemic because I know a lot of people hate this ride. A lot of people think it's tacky, think it's poor, but please go and experience it once if you get the chance. It's like a 20-minute in 
the air conditioning or walkthrough experience. They're kind of a thing that doesn't really exist anymore, unfortunately. Everything rides now. One of those things that could be improved if it just had a script change, like if someone just went through and took it a bit more seriously. The the effects are still impressive. The thing is, there was the original version where instead of this like fumbling sidekick guy leading you through, you had this like old man who would lead you through called the Keeper. Um, And it was more of a kind of like a serious story where Zeus uh, was battling with his brother. Um, And then they changed it because it was like too hard to understand or something to the most generic like Darkanon is bad and Poseidon ah, okay. is good. Darkanon has red and Poseidon has blue. That's how you know that one is bad and one is good. It's almost like the Imagineer, or not the Imagineer, the, the creative behind this project was pretty much just like, all right, I'll change it if you think the audience is too dumb. Yeah. And then they just it, were like, all right, Darkanon, Lightbringer, red, blue. Yep, yeah. it's, that's the ride now. <laughs> It's Look, almost like they scorned it. them. Yeah. It was in a, a video I think we've talked about where they build Universal Studios um, Islands of Adventure Park as the most technologically advanced park in the world when it opened. Mm. And rides like this are why. But I honestly feel that part of this ride was, let's use all this awesome technology. Oh, we have to write a good story about it. Eh, technology's good enough as it is. <laughs> like, it's the most paper-thin story to get you to the next show-stopping moment, essentially. So, I feel like what you're telling me is that there is potential there for, like, a really good attraction if they just have a proper scriptwriter. Like, yeah. I'm sure that Universal has enough money being backed by mm. Comcast, literally one of the yeah. largest telecommunication companies in the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe they could just afford, like, a, you know, a little a little bit here or there yeah. for a better Get script. Get rid of Darkanon <laughs> and what, 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 what would we call the character? Evil Von Evilson. There you go. There's, <laughs> there's one for you, Universal, if you need a more generic name. I, I do sometimes feel like, you know, when you listen to characters' names and it's like, if Voldemort and Dumbledore, like if you switch them around, would they still be as spooky? Or do you think like they they actually sit down, they're mm. like, okay, I need a spooky name. Like, I don't know. That's just, it, it was something I was thinking just then. You know how some people yeah. have like names. Is, like, is, Dr. Doom's uh, a little bit on the nose. but <laughs> Yeah. It's that thing. It's like, is Voldemort... That like that sounds like a really evil name, but is that more because it's an evil name, or because the character has given it an evil aura? Mm. Probably a bit of both. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm happy to present my last bad yeah. a- attraction now. It's well, so bad that it's good, and I think this one <laughs> more comes from personal experience. Mm. Um, I I guess because. Well, I'll start off with, with maybe not being a, too fair on this one because it is a kids' ride, and it's ah, yeah. It, let's, it's, let's let's be harsh. Let's go. Well, let's set the expectation. So, this is a, an Australian attraction, Luke. This is a trackless dark ride in, in Australia. Australia? I know, like this Disney Park. You've got like Mystic Manor, you've got Pooh's Honey Hunt, like these are trackless dark rides that this attraction has to compete with, which was developed by the same people who originally prototyped autonomous vehicles with Walt Disney. Mm. I don't know how the theme park that we're (laughs) about to talk about got their hands on this technology, but let me tell you... This prototype technology sucks. Should have stayed a prototype. (laughs) Let's call it that. So the attraction that we're talking about is it no longer exists. It is at Dreamworld at the Gold Coast, Australia, and it is the Big Red Car Ride, which is a dark ride based around the Wiggles, probably one of the most famous children exports from Australia of all time. Yeah. Like... And, yeah, if you think about it, think about the potential that it has. The Wiggles is all about these really colourful, fantastical elements. You've got, Mm. you know, this IP that is for a children's sort of show has quite a fleshed out universe. Yeah, like you could easily they've all do... got relationships with each other and they've got, you know, plenty of characters to talk about, plenty of th- songs 
to drive yeah. your attraction forwards. But the, How do the we explain thing this about one? <laughs> I'm gonna I think for our American viewers who are like, what is a big red car? It's it can't a, be that bad. <laughs> it is a dark ride in probably a space um, that would be the average size of a norm like a, an average home. Like think about a a three Not even I don't reckon. <laughs> like I don't reckon you could almost fit the like if you think of Disneyland or Disney World. I don't think you could fit the Mad Hatter's teacups inside this show building. True. It would be about yeah. the size. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, <laughs> it would be just the ride. No cue or anything. Yeah. That's about the plot that this has to work with. Mm-hmm. But it's like a 10-minute ride. Oh, it and how do they manage so that? It is so slow. <laughs> <laughs> this trackless dark ride technology, you hear about it and you're like, wow, they've got a trackless dark ride in Australia. This is something that opened in 2005. So this is four or three years after Pooh's Honey Hunt opened. So you think they've got a leg up, but it literally <laughs> moves like you could slowly walk in a comedic fashion like you could army crawl (laughs) faster like i can't think of a human speed that's slow enough to tell people how slow this ride goes I, i i yeah i'm trying to think of the equivalent but it's almost like walking around with a full trolley cart but you have to like carefully jostle it down the hill uh, and you're on like the side and you don't want to go too fast because it might run out of control. So that's a, an awful analogy. But yeah, <laughs> so Big Red's got the thing for me is that the attraction itself, it's for kids. It's very camp and it's, it's very yeah. cutesy. And I can imagine that kids would enjoy it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> But the thing about it is that the effects and the sets... Wait, there's effects the, in this ride? I didn't well, notice. <laughs> well, the effects where they make Wags appear from his oh, kennel, yes. <laughs> um, which is an animatronic, which is literally just Wags uh, the dog. I don't dog know if it's even an animatronic. A- I think it's a it's an old costume from the show that they've like shoved a pole inside and then make him slide down a slippery dip. But I don't even... It's not an animatronic. It like, he doesn't makes, move. It makes a sound that is like... Yeah. <laughs> as it, like, goes down the slide. And he moves at the same pace as the ride vehicle. So it's like, oh, here comes Wag sliding down the slide. And you can just see, like, his foot slowly appear. And it's like... It's like almost comedic, the timing of the attraction. Like as you get to the finale, which is this amazing sort of field of Dorothy the dinosaur and you go in and it's because it's slow, so slow. They have a transition song, which is the to to chugga chugga big red car. And you you go through. But oftentimes that song will run out. Before yep. you get to the next transition. So you just hear the vehicle going like. <laughs> and then it will get to the spot. The lights will turn on in the room you're meant to be in. The you know, the animatronics and that will do their thing. I think the last scene is Dorothy on a swing on a going swing. back and forth. But and then, all the wiggles are just in like TV screens that have been affixed to the walls. But and they're sometimes like CRTs. They're not like, yeah, in like <laughs> illogical areas. Like the ride vehicle will be facing straight ahead. And then the TV will turn on and it'll be like on your right hand side. There's literally nothing else to look at. So the people on it's the bizarre. left just sort of like, uh. Okay. <laughs> but even there are times where like it'll have that thing where they'll be like, thanks for coming on our ride. And Dorothy's like, hey. And you go to leave the room and you can tell it's meant to be like a send off. But yeah. then the show runs out. Like they don't mm-hmm. have any more show to do. And the lights just turn off, the animatronics go static, and you just sort of slowly edge your way back into the station. It it is just... It's almost like the room of theme park attractions. And I'm very sad to say that this ride no longer exists, but I highly recommend looking it up and just looking at a POV to see how simple it was. And yeah, granted, it's a kid's ride, but at the same time, granted, so is Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Like, it's and just it, one of those attractions that you mm-hmm. ride and you're like, 
I can't How? help but to love it because it's just yeah. so. You can tell they tried. It's yeah. it's just dear. And for it's Australia, like, <gasps> it's one of those classic things. Like for when, when this ride closed, it was the only traditional dark ride kind of left in Australia. Like, we have the the shooter gallery at Movie Route, uh, Movie yeah, but World, like which traditional. Is like, Story yeah, driven, true, dark ride. Yeah. Story driven. Because Australian theme parks are really transitioning. If it has a story or not, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story is that you're literally just, you're going through a tour of the Wiggles house, I think. Yeah. And so you've got Wag's kennel. The facade's kind of nice. They have like the facade of the Wiggles house. Yeah. As the facade of the ride. And apparently that used to be like a the Wiggles would perform at Dreamworld in front of that house at some points. I also want to point out that in the queue, these ride vehicles are so slow and they have a capacity of about nine, uh, six people. No, six. Six people a vehicle. In the queue, in where you would think like the space between maybe five groups are the 15 minute markers. Like you can walk past, like if the queue's empty, the 15 minute markers and right at the front, there's the queue is probably just one single back and forth that's about 10 meters and right at the front of the queue it's like if the queue is here this is a two-hour wait and you can literally see the attraction one group of people ahead of you if it's on like your side or maybe it would be like 15 groups Mm. in the line i reckon they wouldn't (laughs) the capacity of this ride wouldn't even be 200 people an hour i don't feel like no way It'd be because it's six less. people per ride vehicle, and it's probably like four to five minute dispatches. I think there's only three ride, like three vehicles in the cycle at once. Oh yeah, it, it is just. It, I highly recommend look up the POV uh, for everyone who made it this far, who was like, "Well, I know nothing about this attraction, so I'm going to go off the podcast." Thank you for making it, yeah. but that. That is our uh, our rides that are so bad that they're good. We have a couple of more of these. So if you're interested in more of this, definitely get into contact with us on our socials. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is just one of those those episodes where you find a little bit more about us and a little bit more about the world of theme parks. But I think we should end it there because... We should just end it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to see another episode of this, let us know. Because as Dom was saying, we have plenty more ideas. Or let us know what yours are as well. It might be something else to talk about in the next episode. I could talk about bad theme parks for days. Anyway, yep. <laughs> my name is Dominic. I was the host for this episode. You can get into contact with me at ReviewTimeDom on Twitter. Luke. You can get in contact with me at ReviewTimeLuke on Twitter. And you can get into contact with both of us at Time Review on Twitter. Or if you look up Review Time, I think it shows up now in the the people's list. Thank you for everyone who has followed us so far. We've got an, a recent boost of followers, which not sure yeah, where that thanks. came from, but it's, it's quite nice. So we will be back <laughs> next week. I believe we are talking about a uh, theme park next uh, week are we we uh, let's uh, find well, out I guess together we are. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right we will see you all next week on review times theme park cast thank you so much for joining us this week we'll see you next time bye yeah. the review time podcast is brought to you by dominic lacy and luke carroll we are edited gratefully by luke shakatano Thank you to our patrons, Jake Cool, Jane McRoberts, Jeremy Kalfakis, Louis Najira, Peter Matthews, Ruben Mays, Luke Shakatano, Ray Dredge, John Madison, Michael Pinn, Janine Kerr, CG Lemonade, Tim Descenzo, Josie McDougal, Stephen Schwarzrock, Matt Sakal, Norman Lacey, Please Use Wirecilly, and Sincerely Mac, and to you, our listeners. We'll see you next time on Review Time's Theme Podcast. <laughs>